Before we start today's episode, I wish to acknowledge that this podcast has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. I pay my deepest respect to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. I acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region, and consider myself incredibly lucky to live, work, and raise a family on Ghana land. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello friends and welcome to episode 73 of the Truth About Aging podcast. First of all, and most importantly, Merry Christmas. I hope you had a beautiful time for all those of you who celebrate. I hope you had plenty of good food, that you got to see all your favorite people, that you got to have a glass of champagne by the pool, whatever fills your cup. I hope that you've had some of that during this festive season and that your social batteries aren't too too in need of a recharge. And if they are, I hope you can use this time just to have a bit of bit of downtime. I know that sometimes the week between Christmas and New Year's is a pretty chill time where you can just hang out, recoup, get ready for another celebration. So I hope you've had a beautiful time so far. In last fortnight's episode, we talked about the concept of an annual check-in. And really that was around uh, taking stock of where your loved ones are at, your aging loved ones, and having a look at areas where they may potentially be declining. Now, you might have seen them over this festive period and thought, you know what? They are doing amazingly. Let's just keep everything as it is. And that is great. However, you might have also come out of this period and gone, hmm, I have noticed there's some changes to their mobility. They seem to be a little bit more forgetful. They seem to be a bit more overwhelmed in conversations. uh, And they're really not quite presenting themselves the way that they used to. Now, as I always say with these things, it's always the little pieces of the puzzle that we put together to form um, an idea or an observation about what's going on for somebody. If you just notice one tiny little change and you don't really feel like it's that dramatic for them, you don't necessarily need to change anything. The concept of the annual check-in is it just gives you a time to deliberately pause and take stock of where they're at and have a look at what maybe the next year might hold and what additional care they might need. And if they don't need any, amazing. But so today's episode is going to go into what to do if you think they are declining, because there's a number of different things along this journey, different progressions of care that we can add in. And I think it's important that if you have noticed some changes, you know what the next steps are and what to do next. Now, firstly, before anything, if you have noticed that there's a number of changes, the first thing to do is not panic. Take a breath. Pat yourself on the back. Well done for noticing that there are some changes for talking with your loved ones to go, hey, have you noticed that mum's actually started doing this thing? Or have you seen that dad used to do this and he's struggling a little bit more with this now? You've had those conversations. You've pulled together a bit of a picture and you've determined, hmm, 
There are a few changes here that I'm a little bit worried about and now I want to take some further steps. So first of all, congrats to you. Well done for doing that. And don't panic. There's so many different steps that we can take to help ensure that they get the care that they need. In very few situations is the life or death situation. And if it is, if you are that concerned about them, then they go into the emergency department if there is something that severe that you're worried about. But I'm going to talk you through all the steps between that today. Now, I did mention this in the previous episode, but I think it is important to engage your loved one in these conversations too. If you have noticed that there's a lot of changes going on, you can't really then start organizing a whole lot of care without even having a conversation with them about it. So I do think sometimes one of the first things to do is just kind of sit down with them and share some of those observations that you've had. Try get a little bit of a conversation going about how they're feeling about what's going on with no judgment. There's no right or wrong answer. And we're really wanting to reinforce to them. We want to have this conversation because we want to make sure that we help them achieve their goals. And for most people, that's staying at home. So for a lot of people, the conversation that I have is, hey, I know you want to stay at home for as long as possible. And I really want to help you do that. And the best way for me to help you do that is for us to have conversations about what's working, what's not, what's maybe getting a little bit harder so that we can get that support around you now and avoid a crisis that potentially means that you need to leave your home and move into a different care arrangement. So you're really getting alongside them. It's wanting to work together to find some solutions to ultimately keep them at home for as long as possible. So I think it's important to have that discussion with them from the get-go. Now, let's say they are maybe at a point where you are needing to look at care. It's still, you can still have that conversation of, I know you want to be at home for as long as you possibly can. And again, I really want to help you do that. But there may come a time and place where it's important for your safety that we look at the next steps. And I want to start looking at those before there's a crisis so that we can ensure that you go somewhere that you want to be rather than having to make a last minute decision. So there's different ways to approach this, but I do think it's really important to have conversations with your loved ones about this. I think often people find themselves a little bit nervous talking about aging or especially talking about dying. In my experience, a lot of aging people are acutely aware that they're aging and they're acutely aware of what lies ahead of them. And sometimes it's actually really lovely to have a conversation about that. I find often it's us that holds these predetermined ideas about, oh gosh, they're going to feel awkward about this, or I don't want to mention that I've noticed this change, or I find it's often more well-received than we might expect it to be. So I encourage you just to gently broach the topic. It doesn't mean you have to go full into it. And often with these things, it's gently having conversations across time. You're not sitting down at the first instance saying, right, I've noticed you've declined too much and I think it's time to look at options for care because that's probably not going to be too well received versus if the first conversation you have is, hey, I really want to get alongside you. I want to help you achieve your goals of staying at home. How do you feel things are going? Then maybe the next time you talk, you go, right, we've tried to increase these care things. Again, I really want to support you, but I'm starting to become worried that there's not too much longer we can sustain this. Then the next conversation might be, hey, I think it's important that we have a look at some facilities so we know what's available out there. 
You know what I'm saying? It's essentially, it's a gradual progression of that conversation. And again, I always like to reflect on how would I like to receive that information? Because I'm pretty sure when I am 90 years old and living in my own home, I'm not really going to want my kid to tell me it's time to go. But if I feel like they're on that journey with me and they're really trying to support me and want what's best for me, I'm going to receive that information a lot more willingly. So sensitive conversations. Now, there's four kind of key steps that I've broken this into. And the first one is maybe a little self-indulgent, but I will go into it more. The first step is to call me. Now, you don't have to call me. That's not necessarily me, but I think it's really important to talk to someone who specializes in aged care and the different variations of that, what you can access through a home care package versus respite versus permanent care. Have you maximized all the options available to you before you start looking at care? I think having a conversation with someone external to the environment who can provide independent advice is really helpful. And when I emphasize independent, I say that because a lot more home care providers um, and even some of those with residential facilities uh, have their own consultants who I would argue are often more um, they, they're somewhat sales consultants, I guess. They go out and provide information to people, but they also ultimately are trying to sign you up to their company. Now, that's where I think it's really helpful to have someone completely independent provide you advice because I don't care what provider you end up choosing at the end of the day. I just want to make sure that you get the care that you need and that we help you achieve your goals. Now, having said that, there are a number of other aged care consultants out there. If I'm not your cup of tea, that is totally fine. You can Google aged care consultants in my area. There's a wonderful directory online that I've referenced before called the SALT directory, S-A-L-T. And that'll help you search by uh, aged care consultants and brokers in your area. And that can be a helpful way to go too. But I really think it's helpful to have a conversation with someone slightly external, be able to share what your situation's like right now and get some independent advice on what the next steps might be. Now, I should say too, for a number of people that I speak with, I can just give them some high level advice over the phone. It might be, hey, I think you probably just need this, this and this. And then they can go and do that independently. For others, they might be completely overwhelmed and exhausted in the situation they're currently in and really wanting me to take the reins on that. In which case, I'm more than happy for them to pay me to take over that load for them, to help coordinate those services, to be the liaison with providers so that they're not having to do that any longer. So you don't always, most consultants will offer a free consultation to start with, and that will always help get you guided and on the way if you feel you just need someone else's perspective, and then you can do the rest yourself. So that's my first recommendation. The second one is around an ACAT assessment. Uh, So this is the aged care assessment team. So ACAT is what um, enables you to access any home care services or residential care services. If your loved one hasn't already been assessed and you've noticed that the signs have declined, now is the time to do so. So even when you start noticing small changes in abilities, so it might be things like difficulty changing bed sheets, they might be struggling to pull up the weeds, they might not be able to hang the washing on the line, just those little things, I would recommend at that point, it's already worth getting them assessed. 
What this does is it enables them to get in the system. It means they already have then a record with My Age Care. It means that as they continue to decline, it's much easier to increase services. It's just a really good starting point to get them connected with some services and then have the option to increase it further down the track. Now, all aged care assessments are dealt with through My Aged Care. So it would just be a matter of giving them a call and requesting an an aged care assessment. They'll want to know why you're calling and what they're requesting assistance with. So it's worth having an idea of those things before you call. Um, But I strongly recommend contacting them for an assessment if they haven't already had one. So the My Aged Care number is 1-800-200-422. I think it's worth noting too, because often people work Monday to Friday, nine to five, and it can feel impossible to organize these things. They are open 8am to 8pm Monday to Friday, and also on Saturdays from 10 till two, this is their call center. So if you are someone that works full time and feels that that's a bit overwhelming, you can contact them on the weekends or after hours as well. So that can be a really helpful point to start with. So if you've done the ACAT assessment, if they've already got that, maybe they're someone that already has a home care package or are already accessing services. If so, I would recommend speaking with your home care package provider. So this would mean just giving them a call. They'll have a supervisor, a supervisor, sometimes it's a supervisor or a coordinator or a relationship manager. They have a number of different names, but they'll have one person that's responsible for managing their home care package. And you can give the company a call and just say, hey, I'm just contacting you. I've noticed these things, these changes with mom or with dad or with Auntie Susie. And I just wanted to flag them and see if maybe your staff have recognized anything similar or if maybe you can have any suggestions of um, what we should maybe be adding to to help them remain at home. Now, obviously, home care providers, it's in their uh, best interest to keep them at home for as long as possible because that's where their funding comes from. Um, But they will often, if there is significant decline, they'll often organize a review. So the coordinator will go out and meet with them and do a bit of an an assessment to see how maybe their needs have changed. They'll then also make recommendations about additional services that could be helpful. Maybe it's things like it might be helpful to have some transport now. Maybe it's increasing the cleaning from fortnightly to weekly. Maybe it's adding in a meal prep visit to help with some of that heavier meal preparation. There's so many different things that that could look like, but I think it's worth, if they do have a home care package, lean on that resource. That's what you pay your care coordination fees for, is for that coordination. And the people that run those packages have quite a wealth of knowledge and also a team of clinical staff around them, nurses, OTs, physios, that they can also refer on to and have your loved one reassessed in their home environment. You're probably picking the theme of this, but a lot of the importance is really assessing where they're at at any point in time and making sure their services match that need. That's the way that they're going to stay at home for the longest is if they're ongoing reassessment so that they're constantly, we know where they're at and gradually increasing services along the way to meet that need. That's the best possible chance of avoiding a crisis. Now that doesn't mean that it's going to stop you maybe having a fall or stop you having a stroke or any other kind of health episode, but it gives you the best chance of maintaining that independence for as long as you can. So if they have a home care package, I would recommend speaking with their home care provider because that's a great resource to pull on. 
The last one is around if it is more urgent, if you've gone, wow, I didn't, haven't seen mum in six months and I'm actually quite worried about her. She's been forgetting her medications. She's got a wound on her foot that we didn't know about. She's not eating as much anymore. She's lost a lot of weight. If you have some of these quite urgent needs where you go, I'm actually quite worried about your health and safety, then something like respite can be a wonderful way of getting them somewhere where they have that care while you decide what the next best option is. Now, sometimes for people, they might go into respite. It gives you a chance to talk with the home care provider, to increase their services, to get their home set up better, and then they're able to return home again. For other people, they might go into respite and you might go, actually, their care needs have increased a lot more than I was aware of. And now it's actually more appropriate that they're in that more 24-7 care environment. But respite just gives you the chance to pause, breathe, and make some decisions about what the next best steps are. So when having a look at respite, they do already need to be assessed. So this is where if they haven't already had an ACAT assessment, they would need to have one of those before they can access respite. So that would be going back and contacting My Age Care. But if they do already have respite approvals, which most people who have been assessed for a home care package will have respite approvals, you can then begin contacting facilities and finding out where there are vacancies. This is probably often a common point where I find clients contacting me too, because it can feel a bit overwhelming trying to liaise with different facilities. There's certain ways that they maybe like the information presented in terms of they'll need medical summaries, they'll need their ACAT assessment, uh, they might want up-to-date wound care plans or information from the home care providers. There's a lot of things that they might need as additional information. And sometimes when you're already feeling like you're in a crisis, it's really helpful to pass that off to somebody else, in which case, again, that's a service that I offer, but one that a lot of other aged care consultants or brokers will offer as well. So it can be helpful to pass that over. If you feel like you've got it under control, then you can absolutely do it independently. You can liaise with the facilities on your own, find somewhere that has a bed, do the paperwork, get that set up for them in the meantime. So that's kind of the more, I guess, uh, urgent step if you're noticing, I really need to pause, reflect on what our next steps are and get them somewhere where they're cared for to give me some space to think about this. The last iteration of that, which I guess is the most urgent, and this I hope you're not waiting to listen to a podcast for, but if you are with them over the festive season and you notice that they are in critical need of care, then there is the option to take them to hospital. And I guess, again, I hope you're not waiting to hear the episode to do this because this would need to be things that really are their health, their well-being, their life is at imminent risk if they're not taken somewhere for additional care. Now, I do probably see this more often in terms of cases with mental health. Um, if there may be someone that suffers from bipolar or schizophrenia, or maybe none of these are diagnosed at the moment. If there's situations where you are seriously concerned about their well-being in that moment, hospital isn't always an option as well. And if it's not something that you feel you can get them in a car and drive them to hospital, you can call an ambulance and they have processes in place for being able to deal with that as well but that does slightly head more into that uh, mental health space. There's not too often a physical crisis that would be that urgent unless you are talking something like a fall or a stroke or a heart attack, in which case, again, <laughs> I'm sure you've already acted upon that before listening to this podcast, but that's probably the more extreme end of the spectrum. 
So they're some of the different steps that you'd be looking at doing if they are declining. You're looking at getting some independent advice, which you are welcome to call me. You can get an ACAT assessment to be able to access additional services. You can speak with their home care provider if they have a home care package so that you can link them in with some increased services and hopefully have them um, looked at by their home care provider as well. You can seek respite if needed, if you find that they're really not coping at home and you need some time to set things up. And as the ultimate urgent, they're at a crisis, they can, you can call an ambulance or they can be taken to hospital if there's something that that is that urgent as well. So I hope that gives you a little bit of context and a little bit of an idea about what some of those options are. As I said at the start, it's very rarely an absolute crisis. Even when it feels like, gosh, we really need to organize something for them. There's probably still a couple of weeks that they can cope at home with a bit more services while we arrange something like respite or permanent care. Something I find myself regularly doing for clients is just stepping them through, okay, what's working for you at home at the moment? Let's maybe increase this, this, and this in the meantime, while we find you some respite, then we can give us enough time to find the best kind of respite for them with potentially a view to become a permanent resident if that's suitable as well. So that's kind of the the progression that we're working along. If you have any questions that come up from this, or if you want to have a conversation about what's happening for your loved one, please feel free to get in touch. You can do so via my website, navigateagedcare.com.au. There's plenty of contact forms on there that you can send through your details if you'd like to have a chat. I am based in South Australia, but a lot of the information and advice is applicable across the nation. I do tend to do respite and permanent care placements just in uh, South Australia because I'm much more familiar with the facilities around here. But if you just want to have a chat and get some general advice, more than happy to do so. I do have an option on my website too, just to book in for a free 15 minute consult. So we can have a bit of a chat about what the options are for you and what the next best steps would be. I hope that you are all looking after yourselves and enjoying this break. On the topic of a break, I won't be releasing any podcast episodes in January. I'm going to take a little bit of time off then myself uh, because I'm actually getting married on New Year's Eve. So we will have some serious festivities and celebrations coming up. So I'm going to take the month of January off just to recover a little, soak in the newlywed bliss, take some time off with my partner and my daughter and yeah, just have a bit of recoup time. So the podcast will be back in February. Uh, The newsletters will continue in the meantime. And if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, you can do so at navigateagecare.com.au forward slash newsletter. I think that's probably all for this episode, but I hope you're having a beautiful, beautiful time doing things that fill your cup, getting out in the sun, getting outdoors and yeah, just enjoying this time of year. I will be back in your ears in February and I'll talk to you then. Okay, bye.